Good morning, church. I am super excited to speak to you guys today. Um, I even wore my Jordans, my retro ones. Guys, you got to realize this is something special, okay? I don't do this for anybody. I do this for you because I love you and I appreciate y'all. For those that don't know me, my name is Cameron Lambert. I am the kids pastor here at Celebrate Church. Um, I love what I do and uh, pastor uh, contacted me a few weeks ago and said, hey, would you like to speak to our church? And I said, it would be my honor. It would be my pleasure. Um, I would love to do that. And so uh, I believe that God has something on my heart to share. I believe he's going to speak to me, and we are going to do some exciting things today. First, turn to your neighbor and say, what if? What if? If you don't have a neighbor, just say it to yourself. That's okay. I'd say, what if? <laughs> Good job. Good job. What if? All right. And while you're doing that, I want you to turn to your Bibles, Mark chapter 5, verse 21. Mark 5, 21. That's the uh, passage we're going to speak out today. It's going to be incredible. Man, it's going to be super exciting. Man, I love that video. I love our Celebrate Kids. They're so incredible. Mark chapter 5, verse 21. I'll give you a few more seconds to get there, and then we are going to get started. We're going to read through um, a big part of the story, and, and then we're going to pray. Mark chapter 5, verse 21. Jesus went back across to the other side of the lake. There at the lakeside, a large crowd gathered around him. Jairus, an official of the local synagogue, arrived. And when he saw Jesus, he threw himself down at his feet and begged him, My little daughter is very sick. Please come and place your hands on her so that she will get well and live. Jesus started off with them. So many people were going along with Jesus that they were crowding him from every side. There was a woman who had suffered terribly from severe bleeding for 12 years. Even though she had been treated by many doctors, she had spent all of her money, but instead of getting better, she got worse all the time. She heard about Jesus, so she came in the crowd behind him, saying to herself, if I just touch his clothes, I will get well. Wow, if we only had faith like that. We're going to skip down to verse 34. Jesus said to her, my daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your trouble. While Jesus was saying this, some messengers came from Jairus' house and told him, your daughter has died. Why bother the teacher any longer? Jesus paid no attention to what they said, but, say, but said, don't be afraid, only believe. Then he did not let anyone else go on with him except Peter and James and his brother John. They arrived at Jairus' house where Jesus saw the confusion and heard all the loud crying and wailing. He went in and said to them, why this confusion? Why are you crying? The child is not dead. She is only sleeping. Our God is a God of humor. Amen. I love that. They started making fun of him. So he put them all out, took the child's father and mother and his three disciples and went into the room where the child was lying. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I tell you to get up. She got up at once and started walking around. When this happened, they were completely amazed. But Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone and said, give her something to eat. We all need food. Absolutely. I agree. Dear Jesus, I come right now i thank you for this word on um i thank you for this word today lord i pray over the people god that they understand i pray over me lord that you use me as a vessel father to speak your words not mine but yours god your plan we love you jesus in your name amen so those that know me i tend sometimes to be a little bit dramatic 
Um, I don't know if you know that about me. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Hey, don't make fun. Uh, I'm a little bit dramatic. Um, and there's a story that uh, reminds me of how dramatic I am. My wife will really appreciate this. Um, there's a story uh, that sometimes I never lose my wallet. I always misplace my wallet. Okay? There's a difference between losing and misplacing. However... Um, I tend to think that it's losing, even though my wife says it's just misplacing. So, uh, usually most of the time I'll set my wallet down in the house in a random room and I'll forget about it. And I'll always wonder where my wallet is. Um, and I have three main excuses, um, every time that I misplace my wallet. Uh, my wife has probably written them down in a journal. So like she says, yep, number two excuse today. The first one is of course, someone stole it. Um, I think one time I have compared it to a neighbor who has literally looked through my window to see me putting my wallet down just to sneak in and grab my wallet. So number one, someone stole it. Number two, Becca is definitely hiding it as some sort of a sick joke. Um, that, that has happened, you know, um, I believe in my heart she's done that just to see how I would react, you know, cause you know, she's got to keep me on my toes. And then of course, number three, someone is trying to sabotage my life, um, you know, I, I mean, ministry's going well, you know, my family's doing awesome, we're making stuff and things are going great, and sometimes people just want to ruin good things. So someone says, you know what, maybe I'll steal his wallet, maybe I'll take it from him and I'll sabotage his life, and then he'll be, you know, you know, he'll just spiral into a state of panic, and that'll be the end of Cameron Lambert. So those are my three excuses. So, um... Yeah, you can judge me. It's okay. Um, that's the that's the story about losing my wallet. Um, but the funny thing is, even though it's a joke, uh, the one thing that I operate I operate out of when I'm saying all those things, of course, is fear. Fear that I've lost my wallet. Fear that I don't know where it's at. Fear that you know what happens if I don't find it. I've got all my special information in there. You know, like there's a problem here. You know, and uh, and. I ask the questions, what if, just like our message today, what if. I ask, you know, what if someone takes it? What if someone steals my identity? What if I am, you know, broke because someone just, you know, bought a new motorcycle with my, you know, with my debit card? I doubt you could do that with my debit card anyway. uh, (laughs) But the thing is, our what if, I want you guys to write this down, our what if often relates to fear. It often relates to fear. Jairus and the woman with severe bleeding... Had a, could have had a lot of what-if questions based on fear. Jairus could have easily asked, if you look in the verses, it said he was the leader of the synagogue. He was an official, a leader of the local synagogue. His, his question could have been, what if my status is tainted? What if, what if I go here and I make a fool of myself and everybody that goes to the synagogue sees me in, in the center with Jesus? What if my status is tainted? Think about someone like a community leader. Think about someone like our mayor who sees a guy on the street that he thinks could perform a miracle and he just walks out in the middle of the street in front of all of the Clinton, um, all the Clinton population and just says, hey, I'm going to ask this guy to perform a miracle. You know, that fear of negative influence, like, what are you crazy? Like, what? Like, what if it doesn't work out? You know, there's your second one of question. What if it didn't work Jairus is thinking, my daughter's dying. I've got maybe an hour, maybe two hours left with her until she passes away. I don't have much time. What if I wasted those last two hours that I could have spent with my daughter going to this Jesus to see if he could heal her? And if it didn't work, I just wasted that time. I could have been with my daughter. 
The woman could have said, what if people see my issue? What if, what if they see what's going on with me? Think about that embarrassment, that humiliation in front of hundreds of people. Think about that. The what if questions. And a lot of time in our life, we have those what if questions and we decide to be driven by fear. Fear's a lot like this little, uh, this little tricycle. I especially got the cars version. You like that? Yeah, the cars version. I like cars. We decide to be driven by fear, just like this little bicycle. It's awesome. It's got its training wheels. It feels like it's safe. But when we're driven by fear, the journey that God has set out for us becomes messy and painful. Let me tell you something right now. I am not taking this and riding it to downtown Jackson. Okay, come on. Like, for real, let's be honest. The first pothole I hit would be a sinkhole. I would cease to exist. It would just literally suck me up and drag me down. Like, come on, you guys know Jackson, right? That's what this would do. Like, it would be a little painful to drive this all the way to downtown Jackson. Don't you agree? Say amen. Thank you. Yes, I agree. So we have these what-if questions because uh, the fear, it drives us. It can drive us to do things, but what drives us is also painful turmoil, stress, frustration. It gets messy. Think about those what if fear questions. What if my marriage falls apart because me and my wife are constantly arguing? What if I lose my job because uh, just every employee around me just, I feel like they're better than me. What if my kids grow up and hate me because I'm so hard on them as a father or a mother? What if God doesn't value me because all I do is sin and make mistakes? Think about those questions for a second. Think about those fear-based questions. Fear is powerful, guys. It's powerful, but it can be super, super toxic. It can motivate you. It can motivate you in a lot of ways. It could be a powerful motivator, but it can be a toxic motivator as well. I have a, um, an awesome guy that I listen to on a podcast. His name is John Acuff. If you've never heard of him, download that podcast right now. Change your life forever for real change your life. He's an awesome, awesome speaker. I went to a leadership workshop with him last year and he spoke something to me. He talked about fear versus reward and the, and he talked about goal setting and like fear goals versus reward goals. And he painted this picture of this doctor and this doctor sitting down in the, in the doctor's office and, uh, and he's speaking to this patient. This patient has high cholesterol, high blood pressure, making awful life choices with his, with his body and his health. Um, and the doctor sits down and he'll do one of two things. The first thing he might say is, if you don't change your diet, if you don't start exercising, you're going to die in 10 to 15 years. Okay? Now that is a very big motivator right there. I'm going to die. Okay. Challenge accepted. I don't want to die. You know what I'm saying? Like that will drive you to do something. It's a motivator. Like, don't get me wrong. Like fear will motivate you. I'm going to work out every day. I'm going to eat right. I'm going to do these things because I don't want to die because I'm scared. And that fear will drive you for a time and a period, but that fear will turn to be toxic. It'll, it'll obsess. You will be obsessed with it. You will be obsessed with, Hey, I've got to do this. Hey, I've got to do this. Hey, I've got to do this. And you're missing out on the journey that God has for you because you're so focused on your fear. You're not focused on what God has for you. The second thing that the doctor could say, though, is, hey, if you eat right, if you exercise, you're going to get to make some incredible memories with your grandkids, with your family. You're going to wake up in the morning. You're going to feel better. You're going to do things that you never imagined you could do. 
And all you have to do is change those two things. Now that's what's called a reward-based goal. See, he's saying the same exact thing. You got to eat right. You got to exercise. But he's communicating it in a way that says, hey, if you do this, doors are going to open up for you, man. Not if you do this, this door is going to close. He's communicating in a way in a, a reward. And here's my what if question. Because we're not talking about rewards today. But what if, what if there was another option other than fear to be driven by? Like this bicycle is fear. But what if our what if, our what if related to faith? What if our what if related to living a faith-based lifestyle? Let me tell you, this motorcycle is gorgeous. My goodness, it's beautiful. It's a Harley too. That's the real deal right there. I ain't no fake motorcycle. That's the real deal. It's beautiful. Guess what? Faith is beautiful. It's dependable. Way more dependable than this. I'm telling you. It's dependable. Our God is a dependable God. He works things out. He takes care of business. God's got you. Turn to your neighbor and say, God got you. God got you. Now all the teachers in the room are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he just used that incredibly awful grammar. This motorcycle is dependable, just like our God. When it comes to a decision, I want my journey to be driven on this motorcycle, not this little bike. I want my faith to drive me. I want my faith to propel me to the next stage of my life. I want that faith to drive me into things that I can never imagine I could do because God is at the forefront. Jairus and the woman, their questions, here's the thing. Their questions were what if based on faith. They had those what if questions based on faith. What if everything they've been saying about this Jesus is true? That's what Jairus was asking. He's not asking, you know, what if, I'm, what if my status is tainted? That's, that's the least thing from his mind because he chose to operate in a state of faith of what if my daughter can be saved? What if my daughter can, can, what if my daughter can be revived and live, a life, live the rest of her days out and I get to see that just by going to visit this man? What if everything they've been saying is true? What if this Jesus truly performs these miracles that everybody's been talking about? I haven't seen it yet. I don't know what it looks like, but what if, what if it actually happened? What if I don't have to live out the rest of my days in pain with a simple touch of Jesus's cloak? Think about that woman. Think about her mind right there. She could have dealt with humiliation, embarrassment. She could have dealt with just everyone being an, like her being an outcast guys, an outcast. But she chose instead, she said, what if I just touched his cloak? I don't have to make a big scene. I don't have to make a big deal. What if I just touched his cloak? Imagine how my life could change. I had no more pain. Just like the verse that says, she went to every doctor and they all failed her. She spent all of her money. She had nothing left. But what if this was the answer after all? See, church, the big thing about fear because when you're looking on stage, it's easy to choose the motorcycle versus the bike. It's easy to choose that. You see it and you're saying, that's what I want. But it's a lot harder to actually live that out when it comes to faith versus fear. It's a lot harder to live it out. And the thing about fear is everybody, man, everybody always uh, speaks and they say, you know, 
God can take away your fear. He'll eliminate it. He'll destroy your fear. The honest truth is that fear is always going to be there. That bicycle is always going to sit in your garage and collect dust. And every day you're going to walk by this bicycle every day. And you're going to be reminded about it. Faith doesn't take fear away. Faith teaches me to fight it. Faith teaches me to stand up and say, my God is bigger. God is bigger than my problems. That's one of the biggest things we say in Celebrate Kids. I say, repeat after me, God is bigger than my problems. Because we know that we have a lot of fears every day. Especially kids. Kids got a ton of fears. But they know that God is bigger than their problems. And their fears are always there. But God teaches them to fight it. Their faith teaches them to fight it. That bike will always be there. And every time you pass that bike, you jump on this motorcycle and say, wow, I'm so thankful that I bought this motorcycle. I'm so thankful that I've got something that's dependable, that's beautiful, that's reliable, that gets me to my destination with a lot more ease, with a lot less frustration, with a lot more peace and happiness. Guys, a lot more joy. I'm so glad to have that. Every time we encounter a tough situation, man, I'm so thankful I've got a God that gives me courage to fight fear, that I can choose my God versus my problems. What if I decided to choose faith over fear? What if I decided that God is the one that's going to get me through this struggle? Not me, not my, not my own accomplishments, my own accolades, my own abilities. I mean, my abilities are small and nothing compared to God. Like, a lot of times I can say, hey, I can't do it. Hey, I'm not enough. Hey, I'm not strong. Hey, I've got this issue, I've got that, that issue. But what if I didn't focus on these issues and I just focused on what God can do? Man, I tell you, it'll change your life, church. It'll change your life in ways that you've never even dreamed of. Um, so I've been really challenged. I'm going through a coaching program for pastors. And man, this program has been such a, an eye-opener. Um, it's taught me so many things about ministry. It's taught me um, how to love kids more, how to empower leaders more, um, how to have a better personal life. Man, it's been solid. It's been incredible. And uh, my coach asked me a question one day. He asked me a big what-if question because I asked him the question. Um, his name's Jim. I said, Brother Jim, I, I'm working all the time to you know invite people to my church. I'm working all the time to um, to reach out to my city and you know, like, I feel like I'm just not getting there. I feel like I'm not making really an impact. Like, like, what am I doing wrong? Like, do you have any advice for me? Like, can you help me? And, uh, man, he said this, this, this what if question that really shook my world. And he said, Cameron, what if you treated everybody in your city like they already attended your church? Man, when I heard that, I heard that two months ago, and that has just completely, I've immersed that into my, in my thought process every day. Like, what if I treated everybody in my city like they already attended my church? The power of what if can build some incredible things. Wow, what if I walked into Starbucks and I was intentional about creating a relationship with that barista? What if I went into Kroger and I saw a cashier who was really stressed out because, man, there was a lot of annoying people in front of me that really gave her a hard time? What if... I just asked her the question, hey, is everything okay? What if I started to 
just have joy when I was speaking to a stranger? What if I really cared about their life? What if I wanted to know what they were like, what their dreams are, what their goals are? How different would my community be? And see, that's something personal for me because impacting my community is something big for me. But you have to find what's big for you. You have to find what is something that drives me. What is one thing that drives me to do incredible things? We all have different things, whether it be impacting our community, whether it be loving people, whether it be growing in our faith, whether it be being the best parent that we can be, whether it be being an amazing husband or an amazing wife. There's something that drives you, and you have to start asking those what ifs based on faith, guys. Based on faith. So let's go back to our questions for a second that I said in the beginning. What if my marriage falls apart because me and my wife are constantly arguing? Yeah, that's true. But what if we decided that Jesus was going to be our marriage counselor instead of us? What if I lose my job? Because I'm just awful, man. I just, everybody's better than me. I'm trying to do this and it's just not working. Wow. Well, What if, what if I woke up every morning saying, you know what, I don't care what other people are doing, I'm only focused on doing a great job because God's called me to be here for a specific reason. Well, but my job, but you know, like I'm I'm working like double shifts already. Another appliance broke in my house and I can't even pay my bills, so I gotta pay double shifts. I can't see my wife, I can't even see my kids. Like, this is awful. Yeah. But what if God was the steward of your finances? What if he said, hey, I'm going to keep working and I'm going to honor you with my finances before I do anything else? But what if God doesn't really value me? Because all I do is make mistakes. Man, I tell you, one thing that's big on my heart, guys, that'll break my heart more than anything else in this world is when I'm upstairs and celebrate kids and there's a kid up there that thinks that they're not enough. That will rock my world Because someone or something in their life told them that they weren't good enough. And they live their life every day with that fear on if they're going to amount to anything. And man, every single morning when we're upstairs, we go over our core values, learn, love, shine. And when we talk about love, we say, hey, we want you to love God. We want you to love others. And we want you to love yourself. Because God has made you special God has created you for a purpose that you can't even imagine. 10, 20, 30 years from now, these kids are going to do things that I can't even fathom, that I can't even imagine. Wow, I can't believe Madeline or Alex or Judah did these things. But you know what? What if, what if we found our security in God and not other people's opinions? What if we looked into the word and saw what God thinks about us how God cherishes us, how God thinks that we are incredible, that we are designed for something bigger than ourselves. What if? See, one thing we have to do is we have to choose to be driven by faith. Like I said, fear, it will always be there. It can rock our world. It can, it can, it can take away our, the way that we think, the way that we act, the way that we lead the way that we work, it takes away things. It's toxic. It'll motivate you. It'll get you to the, to the destination. But at the end of the destination, you'll be broken. You'll be tired. And you'll be asking the question, 
what if there was a different way to get here? What if I didn't have to go through this hurt? What if I didn't have to deal with this pain? What if I could just choose God? What if I could choose to be driven by faith? Something that's beautiful, dependable. Something with an engine that drives me to the destination that I'm seeking. Versus fear. Versus something that is so small in God's eyes. Guys, God's not a God of fear. Fear breeds confusion. God's not a God of confusion. God's a God that wants you to find your purpose. He wants you to find what you're looking for. We're all looking for something. He wants you to find it. We have to choose him. We have to say, God is bigger than my problems.